0: Acts chapter 16. We've been in the book of Acts over the last number of weeks, and we're continuing this morning. Last Sunday, we looked at the top of Acts 16, where we found Paul and Silas. They're on a missionary journey. It's Paul's second missionary journey. They're planting churches in Asia in different parts. And you have to remember, Paul was originally Saul. He was a Christian-hating, zealot, religious Jew... And God got a hold of him as Jesus. He encountered Jesus personally. Um, We see in the book of Acts as well. We're going to go back and spend some time looking at that too in a few weeks. But that encounter of Paul when he meets Jesus and his life is transformed. But now Paul, he's a force in the church. And he's become one of the main leaders. And he is planting churches all over. And he picks up uh, some friends and they go on a missionary journey. And they go back to Asia where he invites Timothy, young Timothy, as a disciple, to join him. and So now it's Paul and Silas, and, and we also know Dr. Luke, who penned the book of Acts. He joins the journey, as we see he includes himself now. And so the Holy Spirit begins to lead them, and they're in Asia, and they want to go in a certain direction, as I mentioned last week, and now they're being directed by the Spirit to begin to move towards Europe. And so the spirit of Jesus uh, says, don't go this way, come this way. And they find themselves in Philippi after Paul receives a vision of a a Macedonian man. And so they're in northern Greece, Macedonia. Today we know as northern Greece. and A Macedonian man, remember that, in the vision saying, come here and help us. And we looked at last Sunday how when they got to Philippi, which was a a Roman city, a very uh, prominent Roman city, uh, Rome away from Rome. Uh, full of Roman culture, uh, government, economics. It was uh, driven by by this, this Roman backdrop. And they, when they got there, it was such a, um, a secular city that they couldn't find a Jewish synagogue anywhere. So they finally found some women. Uh, they were meeting down by the river, and they were gathering together. And as they gathered together, they gathered, engaged in conversation with this group of women, and particularly this one woman, Lydia, who we looked at last Sunday, who became the very first convert in Europe and planted the church in Philippi as she opened her home, as God moved on her heart. And she opened her heart. She said, you know, come and stay with us. And then we read later when the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, the book of Philippians, He's writing to this young church that started, and it became the very first movement of churches in Europe. So we're taking ground. So the church is on the move, and the Apostle Paul is planting churches. In Acts chapter 16, we see a picture, and we see in this vignette, uh, the way that uh, Luke puts it together in, in Acts 16. We see how God works in salvation as people encounter the good news or the gospel of Jesus. And the first person we see come to Jesus is Lydia. Interesting. It's not a Macedonian man. It's a it's a woman. It's just very interesting to note that. And Paul engages her in conversation and engages her intellect. She was a Gentile, in other words, non-Jewish, but she was seeking the God of the Bible. And so she came to gather with other Jewish women to, to learn more about God. And as she meets Paul... Paul just says, hey, listen, I understand that you are seeking God. You're a God-fearing woman. Let me show you Jesus. As you study the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, let me show you Jesus there. As you study the Old Testament, all the different, the, the manna and the wilderness and the, and the all the provision of God and the exodus, let me show you how Moses is a type and a picture of Jesus. And let me show you Joshua. He's a picture of Jesus. And David, he's a picture of Jesus. And and as Paul shares with Lydia, her her heart is opened by the Holy Spirit, and she she comes to Jesus. And remember, she was a wealthy businesswoman. She sold purple cloth, and it was only for the rich and famous, the Hollywood top 10. They, they were the ones, you know, on the red carpet wearing all the purple cloth back in the day. And so she probably, she was from Asia, but she had a, a condo, likely, in Philippi, and she had a... You know, actually, bigger than that, it was a home. It was enough to you know, start the, the new church. And maybe she had a couple houses in different places, and she was on business. and So the gospel, how many are thankful, is for the wealthy and for the rich and for the intellectual and for the seeker. Thank you, Lord. But we see in the rest of Acts 16, Luke highlights that the gospel is not just for the rich and the intellectual and the seeker. But we are introduced next to a slave, a slave girl. And we'll pick this up in our reading today. And not only a slave, but we find a Gentile. So let's look at this together, Acts 16. One day as we were going down, starting at verse 16, down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. And she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. And this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and they dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. And the whole city was in an uproar because of these These Jews, they said, and they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching us customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Now, that's actually not true. They were just sharing the love of Jesus, planting the church, sharing Jesus with other people as Paul and Silas were on the streets. They were just sharing the love of God, but they were being falsely accused. Now, verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten. And then they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure that they didn't escape. And so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. And around midnight, somebody say, around midnight. (laughs) Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly... There was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations, and all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer, he woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. The reason why the jailer was going to kill himself is because as a Roman official in charge of that prison, he had a really comfortable government job. They said, look, you got dental, you've got retirement, you've got benefits, you've got everything. The only thing that is going to go against you is if any prisoners escape, then we got to kill you. So that's kind of how they operated. So the union fell apart if prisoners escaped. So he thought rather than somebody else kill me, I'll just kill myself. So he, in a desperate place, he's, he's beginning to think these, these thoughts. Verse 28, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and he ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and then he brought them out and he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? How many are thankful that you don't have to do anything except for believe? Because Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. How many are thankful you don't have to do anything? You just got to believe. And so he said, Believe. In the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And then they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in the household. And even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. And then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. And he brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. I want to speak to you this morning on the thought of breakthrough, setbacks, and everything in between. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we are so thankful, God, for everything you are doing in our church, what you're doing in our lives. And God, this morning, I pray that personally we would experience a greater level of breakthrough, that every life, every man, every woman, every child, every teenager everyone in this place god that we would experience a greater level of breakthrough lord that the gospel and the good news of jesus would transform us i thank you that your word is transforming us this morning making us more like jesus and everybody said amen you know <clears throat> it's true i think about most of us that we all want to progress in life we we want things to get better isn't that true about us in general we you know, we graduate from college and we, we get a job and we think, well, this is an okay job and it pays all right. But, you know, I want to get a better job or I want to get a promotion. And, and we just, in general, want things to progress in life. And I think that's the way that, that God made us. We, want, we believe there's a, a brighter day ahead. We believe there's a future. We have a sense of hope for the most part of our lives are going to get better one day in the future. And I truly believe as we follow Jesus that that is God's heart for us. Uh, Jesus, you know, he came to give us life and life to the fullest. You know, the Bible says that, that the enemy came to kill and to rob and to destroy. But, but Jesus Christ came, why? To give us life and life more abundantly. And he wants so much for you and me. He wants us to continually experience a greater level of breakthrough in our lives. Um, how many people uh, play board games? You like board games? And I know it's kind of a new rage right now with all the young adults, right? Like all the 20-somethings. They've dropped their phones and their video games. Now they're like back to attack, you know, they want to touch it, a board game, right? Wow, this is how people used to entertain themselves in the 90s. And they want to like feel it and smell it. And... I'm not really a board game guy. I, I, it's not my deal. Um, I have to admit. But there's one board game I love, Monopoly. I love to play Monopoly, and the one, one of the reasons why I love to play Monopoly is because uh, when I play with my kids, I get to beat them, <laughs> and I'm that guy in Monopoly, like, I will buy up every ho- house, every hotel, I'm just, like, spending money like crazy, like, I'm like, I'm just spending money left, right, and center, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, I'll buy it, and then I watch my children suffer as they land on boardwalk, as they land, and then I just say... That'll be money, please. And I, and I think I'm teaching them life lessons. I'm showing them that in the real world, it's going to require they work hard and there's going to be setbacks and there's going to be, and I am the dad and I am making the money and I am winning. Because I like to win and I like to progress and I like to move forward in life until you reach out and you roll the dice or you pull out the card and it says, go directly to jail And then they don't even let you collect $200. Like right back to jail and you don't even get paid. And then you feel and then all of a sudden you're in jail. Now other people are starting to move ahead and you're feeling like I was making so much progress and now I'm experiencing setback. Paul and Silas as they were here in Acts chapter 16 as I mentioned they're in Europe and this church has been planted, it's thriving. It's growing, and they're seeing progress, and they're moving forward, and they're advancing the kingdom of God. They're advancing forward in the purposes of God, and God desires us as a church to move forward as a church, And, and in your life personally to move forward. But there will be times that as we begin to take spiritual ground in the kingdom, we will experience what we see here in Acts 16. We will experience a backlash spiritually. Paul later reminds us in Ephesians, as he writes to the church in Ephesus, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but there is a spiritual battle. There's a spiritual war over your soul, over your life, Uh, the enemy does not want you to take any ground or move forward in any way in your life. He wants to keep you in jail. He wants to put you back. He wants to hold you back in your marriage. He wants to hold you back in your business. He wants to hold you back from progression in any area of your life. But this morning, I want to tell you that there is breakthrough for you. There are setbacks, and there are other steps in between. But ultimately, God has breakthrough for you. And as he advances us as a church... Uh, he desires breakthrough for us as we reach out and share the gospel in our city. Hearing from Kelly this morning, hearing from other missionaries this week, and, or this month rather, and around the world, God is advancing his church. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be spiritual opposition. I want to just show you a few things this morning about breakthrough, and as we take ground personally and as a church. And here's the first thing. I want you to notice, on their way to prayer is where this slave girl shows up. Everything was going okay, and then they decided to set their hearts to prayer, and then the enemy is there, and it says that the enemy that was working through this slave girl, and she was kind of bothering Paul and Silas as they were preaching on the streets, and and, and she came alongside, and, and, and on the way to prayer... They were experiencing this spiritual opposition through this girl who was a slave, and slave to the enemy, and a slave to her slave drivers. Even in that city, there were likely a group of men who were, who were trying to make money from her. We understand from the text. And they were making all kinds of money because the Bible says she had a, a, a spirit inside of her. She was demon-possessed with a spirit uh, that where she could fortune tell. She could, she could see the future. And, and, and it was a spirit that in the Greek, it says uh, the spirit of Python and python was uh, from delphi and it, there was a giant you know kind of god at delphi and it was this kind of fortune telling spirit and they were just excited because they had been making money from this slave she was in a, she was in slavery physically from the people in her city the slave drivers and she was in slavery spiritually from this demonic stronghold in her life And here's what happens on the way to prayer. You see, the enemy wants to disturb us as we move forward in prayer because through prayer is where we see spiritual atmosphere shift. Prayer is important because it shifts the atmosphere. And as they were on their way to prayer, finally what happened was this girl, it was starting to annoy the Apostle Paul, and he finally was just like, that's it. You see, the enemy will try to stop you and me from praying probably more than anything else in our lives. You think about it. And I don't want to guilt anybody out here this morning, but like if I were to poll this audience, how many people think, you know, man, it'd be great if I would pray more as I follow Jesus. I'm going to raise my hand. I mean, I think all of us kind of live with this sense of we should maybe pray more. But the enemy will hold us back personally and as a church in this area couple of things that we've done as we're moving forward on mission together is we've said the first Sunday night of every month, we're just dedicating that to prayer. And I've been so encouraged to see that group even grow on Sunday nights, first Sunday of the month. And if you've never been out to prayer or Sunday night prayer, I, I would encourage you to come. It is such a, a wonderful time of encouragement. And one of the reasons why we do that is because we believe as we gather together, we are actually shifting the spiritual atmosphere over our families, over our church. And whether you're at the prayer meeting or not, there's no condemnation if you're not able to make it or whatever. But I want you to know we're praying for you. On Sunday night, we're praying for your family. We're praying that you will, you will have breakthrough in your life and your finances, that you'll find work. You need to know, First Assembly, that we are together as a church. We are praying for one another. Why? Because we want the spiritual atmosphere to shift. We want to see the breakthrough of God in your life. We want to see the breakthrough of God in the city. We want to see more people like, like Catherine uh, come to Jesus on our university campuses. We want to see the, the, a move of God in our time. So we are committed to being a people of prayer Because prayer begins to shift the spiritual atmosphere. And it says, as they were on their way to prayer, things begin to shift. And then secondly, I want us to see this. Taking new spiritual ground will stir up spiritual opposition. This is a guarantee. As we begin to shift into what God has... You see, because we are now pushing in. What happened here was Paul and Silas, as they were preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus... The the, the spiritual forces that were controlling that whole city of Philippi through the the slave drivers, they were making money, there were people in oppression, there were people in fear, and and these guys were happy because they were making money. And it wasn't just the guys, it was the spiritual dynamic behind the men who were controlling this slave girl. And it was a, a principality or it was a spiritual power in that region that as Paul and Silas were committed to praying, and they were committed to sharing the gospel. All of a sudden, they hit a nerve. And I kind of shared that recently with our congregation a number of weeks ago. I feel like in the spirit, as we are progressing and moving forward, and we're, we're saying we're believing God for, for healed and whole and healthy marriages. We're believing God for souls. We're reaching people in our community, and we're reaching children, and we're reaching youth, and we're sending out missionaries. The enemy's not happy. And, and, and as we progress spiritually, sometimes you hit a nerve, you hit a principality, you hit something in the spirit realm, and you will experience a counterattack. Sometimes people check out. They're like, well, I don't know, that's why I just be really nice to the devil. I'll just pet the devil, and maybe he'll be nice to me. The devil's going to beat you up whether you're nice to him or not. You, you just think, well, I'm not going to get too on fire for Jesus because I don't want more spiritual talk in my life. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. You're believing the lie of the enemy. The devil is out to kill you, rob from you, destroy you. I'm more into the Christianity that says, I'm going to take the devil and kick him right in the face, right in the teeth. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little more into the Christianity that says, listen, I'm, ex- I'm expecting, fully expecting that as we advance the gospel, that it's not going to be a bowl of roses, that we are in a spiritual battle. But we should not fear the enemy. We should not fear any kind of attack. We should be aware, the Bible says, to be aware that there's an enemy, to have our heads up, to be alert that there's an enemy who's, who's going about and he's, he's trying to he's seeking who he may devour. But we should not fear. We need to be people full of the Holy Spirit full of faith, taking spiritual ground in our families, in our homes, in our city for the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. And that's why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation for all who believes. And so first, Lydia, a businesswoman. Secondly, a slave girl. And what happens is then Paul says, in the name of Jesus, come out. And this demonic spirit leaves her. She had been following Paul and Silas around, kind of nagging, saying the right things. These men are servants of the Most High God, and they know the way to salvation. She was saying the right thing. That's actually true. But the spirit that was driving her was trying to bring confusion, trying to bring agitation. I don't know if it was that the spirit that was kind of, uh, you know, haunting her and possessing her was trying to get in up, up under Paul's authority somehow and try to position herself there so that when Paul and Silas left, then she could say, listen, I was part of that whole thing. And listen to me, and it was a deceptive spirit. Or that it was trying to cause confusion or whatever it was. And I don't even know why Paul didn't address it earlier. But one day he just got righteously ticked off. And he looked at that spirit, and he had compassion on that girl. And listen, Lydia came to Jesus. Through an intellectual conversation that opened her heart as the Holy Spirit opened her heart, this girl, you could not rationalize with her. The gospel came to this young slave girl, not through a rational conversation about the Torah, not, not through a, a conversation down by the riverside. The gospel came to this woman, and she was set free free by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a power encounter. So the gospel needs to go forward, not only from your life and from my life and from this church, as we gather with people at work and neighbors we share Jesus. Yeah, I believe in all that relational evangelism. That's one way. But there's another way, and it's a way when the people of God understand that there are people in our city that are oppressed of the devil, that they are beaten down, that they are under a, a curse and control of other people and other spirits, and we look at them and we say, in the name of Jesus, be set free. Do you know that you have authority to to take authority in the, in the lives of people as God would speak to you? You can call forth these, these spiritual dynamics in, in, in people's lives, and we can see them set free through prayer and through prayer and through persistence. And as we follow Jesus and as he speaks to us, sometimes the gospel comes to someone's life through a power encounter. But as they took spiritual ground, they experienced opposition. They were physically dragged into the middle of town, falsely accused, thrown into prison. And this is what happens here. They're in prison. It says about midnight they were in prison. Everything was going okay. They were preaching the gospel. All of a sudden, demons cast out. Now, this young lady, you never hear any more about her. But I bet you she was thankful that she was free. I believe that in Paul's heart, not only was he annoyed, but I believe he saw this girl and had compassion. I wonder if this girl joined the church in Philippi. I wonder if she became a Sunday school teacher. I wonder what her life transpired to be as she was now a free person. We know that her slave masters just disregarded her. They're like, we can't make money off her anymore. We can't use her for our own purposes anymore. But I bet you the church, I bet you Lydia and some of the women gathered her and brought her in and cared for her. And she became part of of that church in Philippi. I wonder if Paul, when he was writing later letters to the Philippian church, that he maybe was thinking of this girl, wondering how she was doing as he wrote to that church. But man, was she thankful that she was set free that day. But this opposition that they faced got them to a place where now they're in prison. And it's dark. And it says it was about midnight. Do you know that sometimes at the darkest point of your life, that's when things really, really matter as you serve Jesus? That's kind of the, the acid test of Christianity is when it's really dark. Now, like you and me, we all face times and emotions where we feel like giving up. Have you faced some pretty dark hours in your life? Have you faced times where you just felt like, I, I'm struggling with depression I'm really wondering even about God. I want you to know that in my life, I've had different seasons on several occasions where because of circumstances, because of things, the way they worked out, I found myself in in a prison, in a midnight prison, and kind of questioning God, questioning, are you real? Do you care about me? Do you know me? Yeah, even pastors struggle with stuff like that. And Paul and Silas, although they may have felt some of those emotions in their spirit. I believe that they also understood that they were gain, gaining ground spiritually in Philippi. They're like, man, the enemy's stirred up now. This is amazing, and we are suffering just as Jesus suffered for us. And as they were in those prison cells, it says their feet were in stalks. And so their feet would have been put in, kind of spread apart like this. And their feet were bound in stalks, and they couldn't move. And they're in the inner dungeon in the darkest place. And about midnight, what does it say? They begin to praise God. They could have chosen not to praise God. They could have chosen to curse God in the middle of that prison. They could have chosen to get upset. And the enemy always loves to kick us when we're down. And he likes to question, does God really love you? Does God really know you? Does God really care? Is God even real? And he begins to question. And when you're down and when you're in darkness, man, the enemy loves to kick you when you're down. One of the words of of Satan in the Bible is Beelzebub which means Lord of the flies. And just like a fly will attack uh, an open sore or a wound on your body and try to bring infection, the enemy looks to your life. And he looks in the darkest spot and in the place where you're wounded, the place where you're bruised, the place where you're hurt. And he tries to bring infection into that place. And if we allow that fly to be there, the infection will come into our lives. But Paul and Silas, they understood that even though they were in that place, even in their emotions, I'm sure they struggled with the fact, oh God, have you forsaken me somehow? Have you forgot about me? But they knew, they knew that the gospel was advancing. They knew that the church was being established in Philippi. They knew that God was on their side, they knew that the enemy was not happy. They knew that they had touched a principality in that city, and all of a sudden, joy begins to well up within them. And man, they just begin to start praising God. And I could just kind of hear what it was like. You know, Paul's kind of over here, and he's got his feet in stocks, and maybe they had their arms chained up. I don't, or you know, they're I don't know if they had their arms free or whatever, but they're in stocks. And over here on this side of the prison is Silas, and he starts singing oceans. <laughs> Spirit lead me with my anyway, I'll spare you the rest of the song. I'll let Michael do that. My feet And over here, and Paul starts singing, harmonizing with them, you know. Take me deeper, you know. And all of a sudden, praise starts going up. And it says, All the other prisoners were listening. What is going on with these guys? All the other prisoners are cursing God and swearing. And these guys are praising. And this is why we need to know that even in the middle of our darkest dungeon, it's always darkest before the breakthrough. And number four, a prison of opposition can be turned into a place of breakthrough. And as we praise God, we can see breakthrough in the middle of a prison. We can, No matter how dark it is in your life today, you can, you can experience the breakthrough of God as you begin to praise God. They said, man, my feet are in shackles, and my feet are in stocks, and I cannot move my feet, but I can still raise my voice. I can still lift my hands. I can still praise Jesus even in the middle of this situation. Around midnight, Paul and Silas begin to sing hymns to God. What kind of men were these? I'm sure the other prisoners, as they were listening, they're like, what in the world? What kind of people are these people? And they were people that didn't let their circumstances determine their faith, but rather they allowed their faith to determine their circumstances. And I believe that God wants to strengthen us and empower us to be like Paul and Silas, that we would be people whose faith would strengthen our circumstances. No matter how dark, no matter how much of a dungeon we're in, no matter how hopeless it seems, that we would just choose to praise. We would just choose to to start singing our praises in the middle of it all. We know that from Scripture, as we praise God, chains are broken, people are set free. We know there's a warfare, there's a spiritual warfare component to worship and praise. And that's why I want to encourage us, church, as we gather together on Sundays, I know we're Canadians and we're a little bit reserved, unless we're at the hockey game. And I know that we're just a little bit shy and bashful, you know, in church settings sometimes. And I know we don't want to be a spectacle or we don't want to look super spiritual to everybody. But if we could just get over ourselves and we could just come and as we gather and we, we praise God in the privacy of our own vehicle, of the privacy of our own home, or even in a corporate gathering with family and friends, that we would just be people that lift our hands, even if our feet are in stocks, we would say, God, I praise you. Jesus, I glorify you, I magnify you, I, I worship you, even in the middle of this darkest hour, and allow the prison of your opposition to become a place of praise and breakthrough, to allow that to take place. And as they began to praise God, there was an earthquake. And it says all the chains were broken. So everybody say all the chains. <laughs> all the chains were broken. They were set free. They were experiencing such freedom that all the prisoners were were free. And I can imagine the confusion. And then the jailer. The jailer. See, first we met Lydia. She was the businesswoman. Came to faith intellectually. God opened her heart. Then we met the slave. And she experienced the dynamic power encounter of the Holy Spirit. She couldn't even rationally come to Jesus. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, God set her free, delivered her. And now we see the third person in this chapter who experiences the gospel, and it's the jailer. And he was a Roman, probably an ex-Roman soldier, probably retired, like I mentioned. And he probably had, you know, all, they got all the good jobs. And it was a pretty comfortable lifestyle for him. He probably was a guy, Gentile, just probably killed a lot of people in his career. He probably wasn't thinking much about God that day when he got the prisoners. He was just like, Okay, who's next? These guys, throw them into prison, just doing his job. He was asleep. So, you know, he was I could just see one of these security guards or whatever, you know, he's got his feet up on the desk and you know, he's got a computer and he's kind of sleeping. And all of a sudden the earthquake and he wakes up. What's going on? But what happened though? He was listening to them worship. And for this guy, it wasn't an intellectual conversation. It wasn't a power encounter personally. But it was somebody else's praise in the middle of their prison that got his attention. It was demonstration. He was a man of, of duty. That's why he said, show me what do I got to do. I went to the Roman army and they said, you do this, you do that, you do this, you And then you this, and then you're that. And he was locked into duty. And he's like, what do I got to do? Because you guys have something I've never seen before. It was somebody else's breakthrough that started melting his heart before God. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? And they said, you don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all for you when he died on the cross. Jesus did it all for you. All you have to do is call On the name of the Lord. Just believe in Jesus and you will be saved. And he says he was so overwhelmed that he brought them back to his house and he ministered to them and washed their wounds. And it says his whole household believed in God. Can I just encourage you this morning that even your breakthrough, mom, dad, cousin, friend, your breakthrough, somebody else is waiting on the other side of your breakthrough. Someone else's breakthrough is connected to your breakthrough. The jailer's breakthrough was connected to Paul and Silas breaking through in the darkest hour of their lives. They broke through so other people could break through. So I want you to remember these three people. Michael's coming back at this time, and I want you to remember these three salvation stories in Acts 16. Lydia, we looked at it in depthly last week. Lydia, a woman, the slave girl a slave, the jailer, a Gentile. The Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, when he was being trained as a rabbi, he would have prayed a prayer, and I don't want you to be offended at this prayer because this was a prayer that they used to train rabbis in. It was an ancient prayer. And this was the prayer that they would pray every day. So remember this. Saul, the guy who's Paul now, who was in the prison stocks and broke free, sharing the gospel-planting churches, this guy. When he was a religious Jew, he would have prayed every day, God, thank you that I'm not a woman, that I'm not a slave, and that I'm not a Gentile. That was one of their prayers. And isn't it amazing how Luke highlights, in Acts 16, these three salvation stories in this vignette, a woman, a slave, and a Gentile. The gospel's for everybody. The good news is for everyone. The good news is for you. And the good news is for all of us. Would you stand up this morning with me, please? The good news is for everyone. Men and women, free and slave, Jew and Gentile, wow, Everybody, The good news of Jesus is for everybody. And this shows us, this gives us the courage, friends, as the people of God, as we are the church on the move, as we are the church on mission, that as we share, maybe there's people this week, you'll have an intellectual conversation, share the love of Jesus, Holy Spirit will open their heart. Maybe there's other people, you just need to start fasting and praying for them trusting that God will set them free spiritually, that you lay hands on them, you anoint them with oil and then there's freedom and maybe there's other people like the jailer, they just need to see the demonstration of your life saying I'm in the middle of darkness but I'm still going to choose to praise God, that's what touched his heart, he was kind of a reasonable, kind of regular guy probably just like a you know, regular dude that just went to his job and wasn't thinking about church, God, nothing but he saw Paul and Silas he heard them praising God he's like there's something about you guys and his heart was opened there's lots of ways to share the gospel and I love Acts 16 because it just shows us these beautiful pictures would you just bow your heads with me this morning as we're just praying together I want you just to ask the Holy Spirit Lord what are you speaking to me about today God what are you showing me what are you speaking to me about Are there some dark prisons that you're finding yourself in today? Are there some areas where you just need breakthrough? Can I just encourage you to be a, just choose to be a person of praise. Even just begin to right now, even right now, just begin to say, God, I praise you. I worship you. Even in this place, I worship you. Even in this addiction, even in this chain, even in this place of chains and shackles, even in this place of darkness and uncertainty, even in this place of fear. God, I just choose to worship you. I choose to praise you. Some of you are here this morning, you're like, well, that's okay for some of you really spiritual people that are advancing the kingdom. And you're, you can handle the, you know, the kickback of the enemy and stuff. But some of you this morning, you're just feeling like beat up. You're like, all I feel is the beat up part. I don't feel the breakthrough part. Can I just encourage you this morning that God sees you right where you are and he's bringing healing and ministry to you? Some of you are like, I identify with the slave girl more than I do Paul and Silas. Then just let the Lord come in his power right now and bring healing and deliverance to your life. Just let him come by his Holy Spirit and just meet you right where you are. Father, I speak freedom today in the name of Jesus over every man, woman, and child in this place. I speak the freedom and the power of God to come and rest upon this house Lord I pray for them and their whole household I pray for them and their entire families kids grandchildren cousins friends uncles aunts I pray that you would move with that anointing God upon this church breakthrough setbacks and everything in between that we're going to keep worshiping Jesus we're going to keep taking ground we're going to keep moving forward we're going to keep stepping into faith because you are God you are advancing us Lord I thank you for that the gospel is for everybody, that the good news is for the rich, the poor, the slave, the free. I thank you, God, that the gospel is relevant to me and to everyone in this place today. The gospel, the good news. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Well, what about this? And what about that? And what about reading my Bible? What about attending church? All those things are healthy, all those things are good as you grow. But all you need to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. This is why this message of the gospel is so amazing, so powerful, so so exciting. This is why Paul and Silas were like, we're just sharing Jesus with everybody, everywhere we go. And friend, I want to ask the Lord today to empower us to be people with, with the gospel on our lips in a greater way. I just know I need that in my life. I just need a fresh empowerment so I get to share Jesus more frequently, more powerfully, more more in tune with the Holy Spirit so that people, people can come to freedom on the other side of my breakthrough. This morning, if you're here this morning, just as you're praying, just for a moment. If you're here today, you're saying, I need Jesus in my life. I'm like that jailer. I'm like that slave girl. I'm like, Lydia, I'm, I just know I need Jesus. And today you want to put your trust in Jesus. I want to pray for you before we dismiss. If that's you this morning saying, I want to say yes to God. I want to know that I'm right with God. I'm going to heaven today. I want you to raise your hand if that's you and you're here maybe for the first time or you're coming back. Thank you. There's hands going up. Thank you. just want to remember you in prayer. I'm looking in the balcony. Anybody up there this morning? Just lift up your hand and hold it there till I see you. Thank you, Lord God, for hands going up. Thank you, Lord, for hands going up. Yep. Yeah. I see them, but more importantly, God sees them. And so this morning, if your hands are going up, you just pray this from your heart. Let's all pray together. Jesus, I need you. I believe you died on the cross. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Today, I put my trust in you. Today, I believe in you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can know you're saved today. You can know you're going to heaven. You can know just like that jailer, just like that woman, that you're free. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come at this time. And uh, Michael's going to lead us one more time, and then we're going to conclude in prayer. But let's just, as we worship God today, let's let this praise be lifted up from this place. And and let this be a place of breakthrough this morning. And uh, as the prayer team comes, if... There's an area we can pray with you about. Maybe you feel you just need breakthrough in a certain area of your life. Whatever the need may be, we're here today to pray for you. And so you can come now or as we conclude the service. But let's just worship together before we officially dismiss this morning. Let's just sing together.